In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Please be seated. Today is the first Sunday of Christmas. Thanks be to God, this year we get two Sundays of Christmas, so we're going to sing as many Christmas carols as we possibly can uh, during this season. Remember that Christmas is 12 days long. It starts on December the 25th and goes through January 5th. And then January 6th is the uh, Feast of the Epiphany. And then Epiphany is a long season depending on when Easter lands. So uh, that's going to be our next feast and our next season. But for right now, as uh, Deacon Aaron reminded us, we need to be diligent in our feasting. We need to be dedicated in our praise of the Lord and of remembering His birth and what uh, that means for us, how His birth has changed everything, the world, and changes us. And this is what John is talking about in his gospel. John's gospel is very different than uh, what we're familiar with at uh, the Christmas season. We're used to hearing Luke and Matthew and those birth narratives and about the setup with the wise men and about the the manger and the stable that's the familiar readings for christmas john is so much more different john is a birth narrative that's cosmic if you will this is the cosmic understanding of what it is that god is doing when he becomes man god became man so that man might become one with god and that's what john is focusing on is on that purpose of the oneness of god and john talks about this in in a couple of very important ways in this prologue that's what we call these first 18 verses of john's gospel it's a prologue or a a, a opening for the gospel it's also a prologue for our faith a preparation for how it is that we understand our relationship to god There's two, I think, really important points here that we want to talk about this morning. The first is that this happens by grace, that our coming into Christ is uh, by God's grace. That's his power. And the power of God we could understand as as a heat or an electricity, a fire, if you will, uh, could be one way of understanding it. We've talked uh, before about that analogy of the electric stove, right? The electric stovetop and how you've got the metal of that stovetop and then you have that electricity or that heat that flows through it. The metal of the stovetop never stops being metal, and the heat never stops being heat. Uh, But when they come together, they're one. You couldn't say, there's the heat, and there's the metal, right? They're united. They become one. And the the metal of the heat of of the stovetop is transformed, isn't it? It becomes something new, and it becomes useful in a way that it wasn't useful when it was cold or unplugged. That's the way we are. We become useful. We become uh, servants of God when we receive His grace, when we are plugged into His power. And if you leave a little bit of food on the stovetop and you turn it on or there's something that touches it, what happens to that food? Burns away. It burns away. And some people say that and they say, oh, that's so cruel of God to to burn away that which was extra. And that simply is that that food could not withstand His glory, couldn't withstand uh, sustain his light uh, that pure metal can and and we're able to receive his grace uh, because we are made in his image because we were made to be able to transmit and to hold his grace his power that's why we were made and it all happens because of the will of god uh, john's very careful about this isn't he when he talks about the will he says uh, very carefully he says it's not uh, because of of the way that we were born 
right? So it's not because of who your parents are. It's not because of who your grandparents are. It's got nothing to do with ethnicity. It's got nothing to do with language or culture. It's got nothing to do with tribe, right? That's not how we come to God. He said, it's not by the will of man, which a lot of people teach, right? I made a decision. I decided to do something. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I invited God into my life, right? The truth of it is God is inviting us into his life, right? And so it's his will. It's his decision. He's the one that became man. He's the one that invites us. It's his glory. It's his power. And anything that we do is going to be in obedience to and submission to his will. So it's his will, his decision to save us that makes all of this possible. So we're submitting to the will of God in order to receive his grace, his power. And this is what St. Paul was talking about in Galatians. He's showing us how in baptism we wash away that which is extra, that dross, that, that little bit of food on the top of the, of the stove that gets burned away. That is washed away in baptism. And then what's remaining is uh, what it is that we've put on in baptism. And he says that we put on Christ. Isn't that great? We put on Christ. So in the same way in the incarnation that God put on humanity, we put on divinity. We put Christ on us and we wear him. Now that's a Christmas present. Right? He never wears out. He's never out of fashion. He doesn't get stained and spotted. You can't leave him behind. We can wear him everywhere we go. In the scariest and darkest places we might go. We get to wear him. We get to put him on. And St. Paul talks about this in verse 27 here of Galatians chapter 3. And it's a, a verse that is a baptismal hymn. It's an ancient hymn uh, that was being sung in the churches at the time of St. Paul. So very early here in the early church. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. This is what they would sing. For as many of you as been baptized by Christ have put on Christ. So he's talking about this change in nature that happens. We move from being slaves to being heirs. And from heirs to being sons in adoption. That's a great transformation that happens, isn't it? Because a slave has to just do what a slave is told to do. The slave has no interest in in what's being done. There's no sense of ownership. There's no sense of pride in the work. It's simply because he's been told to do it. And St. Paul says an heir is the same way. When an heir uh, comes into the household, he has a guardian who tells him what to do and who manages the estate. And so this is like our children, right? We tell our children to clean their rooms or we tell them to scrape their plates and to do all these things and they look at us like, ah. You know, do I have to do that? Do I have to do it again? I don't want to do it. That's how we are as immature Christians. That's how we are when we first come into contact with the law and with the understanding of God. But in maturity, he promises us that we are transformed by his grace so that we want the good things of God. And that makes all the difference. Every parent knows that makes all the difference. The difference between keeping your room clean and wanting it clean yourself that's our goal isn't it we don't just want clean rooms we want children who want to keep clean rooms that means everything 
In the same way, God doesn't just want us to follow the law. He wants us to desire the goodness that he has designed us for. He wants us to hunger and thirst for those good things in the same way that he hungers and thirsts for them for us. And so he he uses all these analogies. That's a lot of analogies, isn't it? A lot of metaphors. Get ready, there's more. Isaiah doesn't mess around. These first three verses here, he piles on even more. He says God is a gardener. This grace that he is sowing, he expects to come up with these good plantings, with this good fruit, right? God is a farmer. He's a good gardener who expects fruit. He's not an ornamental gardener. He's not raising us for our looks. As beautiful as we may be, he wants us to bear fruit, right? He wants us to bring a good harvest of righteousness, He says that uh, he would bring about righteousness that's beautiful, like a gem. And this is what we see in the lives of the saints, right? In the lives of the saints, we see their virtue, we see their, their courage, we see their strength, we see their fortitude, their lives are beautiful, and they're unique. Each saint's life is so unique. There isn't two that are the same. Uh, They're from all over the world. They're from every language. They're from every kind of of caste or from any kind of class. And and they perform all different kinds of jobs. uh, But they all shine forth with the beauty of that righteousness. And God says that that beauty is recognized by him in the same way that a groom recognizes the beauty of the bride. So now we get to be brides. First we were sons. We're all sons of God, right? And we're all brides. Right? We're all brides. And so he says that beauty he recognizes the same way that a groom recognizes the beauty of a bride. And so this is an analogy, this is a metaphor now that we really need to stick with. Because this is a metaphor that starts in Genesis and ends in Revelation. We can't read Holy Scripture without understanding marriage. And this is why marriage is so important to the church. Some people think that marriage is is secondary or even tertiary, and that there's just these little picky laws that God may have about human sexuality. That's not the case at all. He made us in His image. He made us to be married. And marriage, if we understand it, right will help us to understand the relationship between God and his church that he is the groom and we are the bride and so he promises that we have to be in fidelity in marriage and that we have to be chased out of marriage and that fidelity in marriage is so important that it's not because of the consequences of infidelity which are horrible The consequences of infidelity are awful. We see them in our culture every day. The consequences of not being chaste, equally horrible. But this isn't about those consequences. It's about the love that God has for us to be faithful with Him and not to be turning off, as St. Paul says, to these elemental philosophies of the world when we worship creation or we worship uh, lust or greed or or, uh, power or, or fame, all of these things that the world offers us. Right? Those are all the idols of the world that we could turn away from, from God to worship. And, and St. Paul says the more that we worship them, the more we become like them. It's an important thing to remember. What we worship is what we become. What we worship is what we become. And so God is saying if we worship him in faithfulness, we become like him. Righteous and full of his truth and grace. St. Augustine, in reading St. John's prologue, said, Each of us should read this part of Scripture. Each of us should come to this story about the birth 
of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, recognizing that we too have been born anew. And that God becomes man because he finds us beautiful. Each of us should be able to say, God loves me. He finds me beautiful. He has good things in store for me. And he would bring them about through his grace and his truth and his love. Christmas Day is our birthday. It's our birthday into eternity. Our birthday into the nature of God. And to Christ who we put on in baptism. We may celebrate that day, this day, and forevermore. Amen.